welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from the perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Well, I have a few announcements before we get to our top story. Happy Monday. How are you doing, Binkley? Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, it was good. How about you? All right, good. We had a busy weekend. Oh, I wasn't even meaning to tell you this, but I, that's funny because I don't even normally start with chit chat, but yesterday for Valentine, my husband's not going to be here on Valentine's Day. So he bought us a cooking class at home that we did yesterday. It was a Thomas Keller thing. And it was actually Thomas Keller doing the class. And it was at, it was super, super cool. And they send you in advance like this tin of caviar. So I spent my yesterday with caviar and champagne and it was pretty freaking awesome. Wow. I know. I should have taken a picture of it for locals. I'm so freaking stupid, but I'm not a food picture taker. Anyway, so that was super fun, and I really regret it because I will never see that much caviar in one place again. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so I have a few announcements. Binkley is going to do a locals live stream. So we've done, we kind of alternate doing live streams on locals. So if you're interested in that, properreport.locals.com. Actually, the way I did it last time was I allowed free people to people who do not pay to watch it, but the locals doesn't allow you to comment if you're not a paying subscriber, but you can still pop in and check it out. So that's properreport.locals.com, whether you pay or not. Uh, at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. And the last thing, and this is definitely not the least thing, we had a request to talk about um, mental health issues, and I actually really want to share my experiences with emotional wellness strategies since I moved to L.A. and had to spend the complete lockdown in what feels to be like behind the Iron Curtain. But I actually could argue that I'm happier than ever because I employed many emotional wellness techniques that I am going to share. So that's for our Zoom party, February 19th. If you uh, want to share some of your experiences, you feel like you have some expertise or uh, position, whether you are a patron saint or not, it's really for patron saints, but we do have experts and people have something to say, want to be a part of that. So if you do want to contribute to that, please email me at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com. So that's all the housekeeping. And I think it's all interesting and fun stuff. So hopefully it was not a waste of your time. Let's get to the top story. This is a story that came out last week that got little to no attention. It was one of those stories that the New York Times rolled out on Saturday, I believe, at a time when nobody's reading the paper and they're never going to mention it again. It's like a Russian bot story that came out a couple of years ago. The story is about the Democrats' use of dark, untraceable money and how it far exceeded the Republicans' use of dark, untraceable money during the 2020 election, despite the left often decrying the use of the right's dark money. Here are some of the story's highlights. They found that a sample of 15 major nonprofits generally linked to Democrats spent over $1.5 billion in 2020, compared to about $900 million spent by a sampling of 15 major GOP-linked Nonprofits. One group linked to the left called 1630 Fund received donations of undisclosed origin as large as $50 million. Now, the story largely focuses on one guy. This one guy is a Swiss billionaire. His name is Hans Jorg Weiss. And it's unclear if this guy 
is a U.S. citizen. This is according to the New York Times. He has a nonprofit foundation called the Weiss Foundation, and this Weiss Foundation in 2015 started something called the Hub Project. Now, the Hub Project was created for the purpose of shaping media coverage to help democratic causes. So this guy, who it's unclear if he is a U.S. citizen, the Swiss billionaire, has a project that has helped shape media coverage to support a bunch of progressive causes is essentially what this place what this thing's fun. So this hub project has been connected to a podcast of a former Obama administration official called Made to Fail. It's very critical of conservative policies. It's connected to ads that have been against Republican candidates in 2018. And the hub project's website makes no mention of Weiss or his foundation's role in its creation. The article then goes on to talk about how little scrutiny this dark money has received in comparison to the criticisms of the Republican donors, the Koch brothers. So this is really interesting to me because Citizens United gets complete, completely attacked by the left all the time that the reason politics is so corrupt is because of Citizens United, which allowed a corporation to be treated as a person for purposes of campaign contributions, I think was how it went. I mean, I never could imagine that that was really what was where the big money was or that it, that anything changed with that ruling at all or that a favored one side to the other. So it seems to me that the mechanism for Republicans to do it may be corporations, but that the mechanism for the Democrats to do it is big philanthropy. And I do find yeah. it's the mechanisms of the payola that's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. And one of the quotes from one of the people involved was, we got to do anything possible to stop Donald Trump. So all hands on deck. It doesn't matter. It's the ends justify the means. Yes, absolutely. So that's very interesting. And um, I did notice there was also some outcry about the hypocrisy among Democrats not wearing masks, surrounded by people who were forced to wear masks. Stacey yeah, Abrams, Stacey I'm sure you've Abrams, heard yeah. of. She was sitting in a classroom full of children. Everybody was masked except for her. And then there was another picture of Obama having this like huge mansion built in Hawaii, which uh, is like my ultimate dream. Not a huge mansion, but just Hawaii. And uh, all the workers are masked and he's talking to them unmasked, not in the slightest bit concerned by all appearances. So, well, that's very interesting. I hope we hear more about that. I'm guessing there's a rabbit hole there. I'm sure there's a rabbit hole there. And it's just one of those things they put out there for the purpose of burying it. Maybe. Maybe. Or it could be, I mean, there could, you're probably right. I trust your instincts on this stuff. But it is also possible that they, a lot of times with the midterms, they last, so, so in the midterms last time, we had a whole raft of Republican resignations in that judiciary and the legislative branch. And we're, I've at least seen reports of that among the Democrats this time. They like that idea of the pendulum swinging. So they could be coming out hitting Democrats this year because they actually want Republicans to gain some footing. I'm not saying they want the Senate to turn over, yeah. but they might just they they need you to feel like there's real tension there. Yeah, they, they do. And this also is a problem, too, because the Democrats major thing is that they are ground up. The people are, are you know promoting all the causes when you see here clearly that it's uh. not. So, so not. I think in the XR, I have a little bit about the World Economic Forum, Young Global Leaders, which ever since we saw that little piece that Stella left on Locals, I've been seeing it everywhere. So I've got some reading to I have a list of the 
noteworthy young global leaders from the World Economic Forum of years past to get to at some point today. I don't know where I have it in the schedule, but so, all right, so you, do you, have you been following this thing about the truckers in Ottawa? Yes, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I don't really, anything that everybody's covering, I actually tend to not put on my A-list, but it's about time we talk about it. Definitely been some too good to be true, and then some we need these heroes, and so, and and the truth is that we do, would it would be nice to have heroes, I'm not going to tell people not to protest unless it's a trap, but I mean, we need to, people need to stand up some way or another. I don't know what the right way is. I'm pretty cynical when it comes to anything that has any real organization behind it. A lot of times that stuff gets hijacked given enough time. So if it's spontaneous enough, then maybe it won't be. But that what's happening there is there were uh, this, I mean, I think this is, I, I, this doesn't seem like a really huge amount of people, but the article I was reading said that that 5,000 people and 1,000 tractor trailers and personal vehicles, that's not that much, squeezed into downtown Ottawa to join in the second week of protests. So this was the second weekend. And um, the articles, I mean, everything from Wikipedia to any mainstream media coverage, as we both know, says originally it was to voice opposition to Canadian government's vaccine requirements, but now it's about all COVID restrictions, even to the point where they want Trudeau to step down or they want the entire government to be overthrown. They're Nazis, you know, yada, yada, same old thing. So it says uh, that even though the original thing was the vaccine mandate, over the past week, the protests morphed into an occupation of the capital. An occupation. And, and a siege. Terror. It was, they called it an act of terrorism. I think that might have been the police chief because they called a state of emergency. Now, I'll tell you what they're doing with that state of emergency. But in any case, they're talking they're talking about it as vandalism. Like I wondered from the beginning, and you probably had the same thought, if this would be used for some of the same purposes that January 6th was used. So they're maybe it's a hundred flowers thing where they want to see who would actually get off their butts. Uh, the police have made a few arrests. They've issued 450 tickets. Here's something right up your alley. Ottawa residents want tougher action taken and have called on the prime minister to take action. So one major ask he has uh, declined to agree to is to call on the Canadian armed forces to disperse the crowds in their vehicles. So they're presenting this as the people of Ottawa are demanding more action from the government. Now, they're not going to come in with guns ablazing, but they will be collecting financial, digital, vehicle registration, and other evidence that will be used in criminal prosecutions. And uh, the, right. Wow. It's like That's another January 6th investigation, but That's in Canada. That's what I was saying. Wow. Yeah. 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 So I figured that this was their version of that. Now, is it grassroots? January 6th had people going for good reason. Like I was, most of those people, I mean, Almost every single one of those people was there in peaceful protest to support the president and the process of counting those electoral um, college certification ballots, whatever. But and likewise, I'm sure most of the people here are completely, completely legit, except for the people with the like whatever dumb flags. Uh, they are also clamping down on people who are assisting the vehicles with cans of gas or anything like that. So yeah, I feel like they are 
get luring people in there and then they're chilling them they're writing their stuff down they'll probably show up at their houses they'll probably ask each people to dox each other there's probably people po po posting stuff on facebook right now that's being cataloged and one last thing which is i believe now i think there was maybe this already kind of maybe somebody already tried to start something like this i don't think it's happened yet but there is going to be or there's uh, there are supposed to be truckers going from California to D.C., but I don't think it's happened yet, right? Have you heard that it's happened yet? I haven't. Right. Okay. I've definitely heard about it, and I can't find the date. So I think the date is yet to be announced. So this is what's happening, and it's I, I, more power to protests, but it de definitely seems like they're, they're going to try to use it against some of the people who are there, just like January 6th. Yeah, and those people who are going to be the ones who are outing them, the sedition hunters is what they were called for January 6th, I'm sure it's going to be some of the same people. If I had to speculate, I would say the feds probably found a few people that they can reliably count on to snitch and go just troll people and find information like that, and that they will go back to them and try to incentivize these snitches into doing similar things here. It'll probably be the same group of people that go after these truckers, and those people are not going to be welcomed into the FBI or any other organization, wherever it is in the world. They're going to be the ones that they just toss aside when they no longer need them, in my opinion. So the Super Bowl is coming up, and we have the ads every single year. And this year, invading these Super Bowl ads is going to be crypto. It's going to be filled with crypto ads from a bunch of different crypto platforms like Coinbase, FTX, Crypto.com, Bybit, a bunch of these exchanges. And the crypto world has been investing heavily in sports sponsorships and commercials. They spent over, they're expected to spend over 160 million this year. They're buying naming rights to arenas. They are locking down celebrity sponsorships, pro sports spokespeople to promote this new digital world that we're coming to. And the goal of the companies are to create awareness because they're saying that a lot of people just aren't familiar with who these companies are yet. They've heard of crypto. They have a vague understanding of it. They don't have name recognition yet. And they want to also clarify some of the confusion around what crypto is in these commercials. So that's how I'm going to gauge it is based on what they're saying. Are they creating awareness about the company? And are they helping me better understand what crypto is? But it's not just the, the crypto commercials. There's also some other crypto-themed commercials and ads that are going to be out there. Like Miller Lite is going to be, they're taking a different approach to the crypto and everything digital. They're going to be running ads inside a metaverse bar on a platform called Decentraland. See, they can't advertise on the Super Bowl because Budweiser has the right. So they're stepping into the metaverse and they're going to be advertising in the biggest metaverse platform, Decentraland, right now. And people who are going to the games, there's another crypto angle here, with your ticket, however much it costs, it's going to be a lot, you get a commemorative non-fungible token, an NFT that's linked to that physical ticket, so you can have your digital commemorative memorabilia. And FTX, the crypto exchange, is going to be giving away Bitcoin through their advertising campaign. I don't know how much Bitcoin you're going to be getting, but this all just marks the rise of crypto. This is probably the ultimate welcome party to the mainstreaming of cryptocurrency, I think. And what I wonder about this, it's it's compared kind of to the dot-com bubble in 2000, when they had all of these internet companies that were advertising on the Super Bowl, only to have a bunch of them later on crash and go away. Although, 
some of them still do exist. But leading up to the SNL appearance of Elon Musk, there's a lot of talk about Dogecoin, and Dogecoin went all the way up to 70 cents. People said, is it going to get to a dollar? Is it going to get to a dollar? Only to have it just kind of crash and burn while he was on SNL. So people are going to be watching how the crypto world is affected by all of this Super Bowl hubbub. It's way up from its bottom, that's for sure. Totally. It's it's or hot it's now after being bottom, down. Yeah. It's definitely picked back up a little bit. Yeah. So uh, just like I think everything is placed in the in the mainstream media, as you may, and I think that Bitcoin stuff on the Super Bowl coordinated effort, it's all definitely, uh, there's definitely a grand plan and some people have that memo. Uh, but in that vein of things really... Like I was wondering, I've been wondering about like the whole Rogan thing with Spotify. I've been wondering about that. Like, uh, obviously, he's not going through the moon, you know, without being either neutralized or bringing him into the mainstream to neutralize him, or he's in on it, or he's a teen agent. Like, I don't know. I don't, he never really seemed like a very sinister guy so i don't really think that he's like some he's plotting but he will probably do whatever he's supposed to do to keep that money right so um but i've been trying to figure out what the story is and i byron sent me an article this morning from market watch which is like a wall street journal thing it pops up when you open your apple stock page and stuff and it says it's this whole expose on all the false studies of ivermectin and all the wrong results and how messed up it is and how the alt the alt world just loved it and how often it comes up and you know so i couldn't understand which way to read this article either it was just more of the same bashing ivermectin because it works and they don't want you to use it when it could possibly work when they have really really expensive new drugs that they'd rather you use and because having a therapeutic will negate the need for an emergency use authorization for the vaccines and will discourage people from getting the vaccine. So that would be like the traditional thought about why they have that article. But I had another thought that if it is true, what if they set up the whole ivermectin thing from the beginning in order to ultimately prove that it was very, very wrong, that there was no truth behind it, and that anybody who it just demonstrates that the evil overlords aren't evil at all, they're really out for our own good, their instincts are good, their precautionary principle of not letting us take that even before all the facts were fully known, they've got better instincts on that, and that the that is why it's so dangerous to have somebody like Rogan out there. And that is why those doctors who were breaking from the pack uh, were causing real damage. So I just I, I want to keep watching that. But I'm starting to think I, I just, you know, some of these doctors who are prominent for disagreeing with the mainstream, they do say things that are that are kind of wrong sometimes. And if I know they're wrong then they, you know, it's just surprising to me to hear them say stuff. And I feel like a lot of them are, there's another shoe to drop on on some of the alt-med alt stuff or what, what Rogan's true purpose is. I just, I feel like it's something to watch out for. Yeah, it's definitely going to continue to evolve. And I would say that the mainstream doctors obviously say stuff that we know are wrong as well. No, so on no, both not, sides no, of that. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I know, but it's, it is worth pointing out because he does have, 
No, right. I'm Gupta saying and all my, them. I know, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that they're making mistakes. I'm suggesting that they're planting wrong information on purpose. Right. No, I, I understand that. Uh, um, now the Rogan thing, what it's about, a part of it is not just that. It's about CNN laid it out perfectly yesterday that that there's a deeper problem with Joe Rogan's podcast. It's not just the medical misinformation. It's the racism. And that's because of this compilation video that was released of Joe Rogan saying the N-word. is about a minute and a half long. And it's out of context. It's him repeating the names of albums or saying things that other people said. Now, he made a video apologizing for it, saying that even out of context, he thinks it's bad. He, he said he hasn't said that in years. But the way that he used to feel was that instead of just saying N-word, he would say the word when he's talking about somebody else saying the word. Ah. But that was the reason why... Some but of that, his podcasts were removed. Good. That sounds like the Papa John's thing. It sounds exactly like Papa John's thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They bait you to say the word. Right. Well, part of this is as part of this whole effort of anybody who disagrees with the mainstream narrative, whether it's vaccine, whether it's mask, whatever, you are also a racist Nazi. And right. that theme was also in the trucker thing that you were mentioning. Right. Earlier. Absolutely. You are a racist sure. Nazi. So if absolutely. you're against the agenda, they just call you racist. It's just it's horrible that they do that. I but, mean, and it's the people forcing. Experimental drugs that is actually what Nazis used to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to clarify something because it was being reported that Spotify removed over 100 of his episodes. But Rogan, he said this on his video, he chose to remove them after looking at the those old episodes and not liking that he said some of those words on there. And they were all predated the pandemic. Yeah, but there were 70. Oh, interesting. There were 70 that he supposedly he was he decided to remove out of the 100. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's a lot of lost information. It what is. if it's I bet one of them is with that guy. Who is that guy? Cannon? Nick Cannon? Yeah. Like he you know, you you would wanna, Oh, right. Yeah, like, it might have been. I wonder if that like, you know, you can take the ones that you could really if you're going that raw on a show and especially if he's talking about artists or art or quoting, then it may actually be suppressing other viewpoints from minorities by taking those 70 down. Like, I'd like to know who the guests were on those 70 cases and how they broke I think it does say who some of the guests were. I I don't think it was. That episode was a couple years ago, so that didn't predate predate the pandemic. So my guess is that that one's still on there. But knowing who the guests are, I think definitely would be important. And one other thing about that story is this video that was spread around of him saying that, this supercut out of context, was created by a group called Patriot Takes, exposing right-wing extremism. Their mission is to research, monitor, and expose the extremism and radicalization of the far right across the darkest part of the internet. Now, I've only looked at this website for a little bit, but I can't find anybody who's behind. Talk about dark money funding a liberal cause. I can't find anybody who's behind this website. There's no about page. It looks like one of those super slick websites, although no real information. Who else are they going to be doing this to? Who's who's sponsoring this group is what I want to know, and I'm going to continue to look into it. I think this is a dehumanization part of their dehumanization program to just make anybody who disagrees with that mainstream agenda and its talking points out to be a vermin. Vermin. Excuse me. <laughs> Interesting. Furman vermin. Yeah, Furman vermin. Yeah, I don't Cute. mean to say that about the Furman uh, team or the the college. I just mean vermin. But who was the guy who was the cop? 
who was scandalized or was scandalous in the OJ thing? Mark Furman, right? Mark Furman. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think about that. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, I did see an article just as we were going to air of Rumble telling Rogan to blow off Spotify and they'd give him $100 million for four years to come to Rumble. And that's kind of interesting because wow. we just started a Rumble channel ourselves. I think over the weekend we launched Rumble and uh, I could not find our last DNB live on YouTube. I think it was either taken down. Maybe we forgot to press that button, but I sincerely doubt we forgot to simulcast it. Uh, and I'm wondering, it, so we, I, I propose that we don't do the DNB live to YouTube anymore and do it exclusively to rumble. We'll do Rockfin, the DNB XR live. That's so on Thursdays, we'll put the video on our rumble channel and, uh, I'm all for big snaps for rumble and it would be awesome if he took him up on it. Yeah, definitely. All righty. Well, before we get to our deepest dive of the day, where we will try to get to the bottom of the great resignation, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR. Alec Baldwin gets a new gig. And will Jeff Zucker get his old gig back? But before we get to any of that, let's hear a word from, well, the most amusing word we ever get. Well, they're getting pretty good these days, but here's a very fun and professional ad from one of our favorite sponsors. And keep in mind, you can use the prop code prop the promo code prop ten for these guys. You know who they are. Let's hear it. Do you love freedom? Does the daily news leave you shaking your head? Does mindless conformity give you the heebie-jeebies? Are you surrounded by people who just don't get it? Are you right now wearing clothes? You over there, yes, you. Do you like cool clothes? Well, meet the Rye Guys, makers of fun, freedom-loving t-shirts and more, quality products for independent thinkers and other such troublemakers. We make each of our handcrafted tees with equal parts satire, mischief, and Rye social commentary. Put on one of our tees and you'll meet kindred spirits, share a laugh, and enjoy great Great conversation. Take off one of our tees and, well, we're not here to judge you. We support liberty, peace, and voluntary solutions to societal ills. And you have our word, our products are never tested on animals other than sacred cows. So stop by today at www.ryguys.com. That's W-R-Y-G-U-Y-S.com. Ryguys.com. The Rye Guys. A rye wit for today's shit. Remember, that's Prop 10 as the promo code. You can get 10% off. Love the Rye Guys. So if you want to promote, if you want to support us, support our sponsors like the Rye Guys, but also support us directly. And we are, I just created a bundle. So we have three different ways you can support us. Well, there's many different ways. You can buy stuff from us. You can donate to us directly. You can post reviews on iTunes. But one way that, so, but if you want the premium content, you can get all our XR material across our three subscriber things, which are Rockfin, Locals, and Patreon. Uh, Patreon, you can get it through your favorite podcasting app on Rockfin and Locals. You have to listen through the actual app itself. And then each one of those, we do some exclusive stuff. Rockfin, we have the deep dives and you get 
all the material from everybody else. Locals, we have a real social scene there. Plus, we do one-off live streams. Binkley does his. I do mine. And uh, I will send to your mailbox every morning a wonderful quote from a book that my mother gave me out of my father's collection after he died, The Free Man's Almanac. So every day you get a quote and my musings on them right into your mailbox if you want. You don't even have to pay for that. Go to properport.locals.com. And then... uh, on Patreon, we do Zoom parties, we deal, do cocktail parties. There's a community there as well. But we didn't do this for to generate a bunch of different live streams. We did it because they each have unique things to offer. And we want all of those things. And we want to hedge our bets a little bit in case some platforms start going away. But if you want to do it all, you can get it all for basically the same price as the patron saint, which means you get absolutely everything, all of our content across all platforms. What you would have to do is join Rockfins, join locals, and then email me at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com and I'll open up a tier where you can become a patron saint for basically the cost of the patron saint minus the Rockfins and locals costs. So then you can be at the Zoom party. There's going to be a Zoom party on the 19th. We just did a DPP the other night and um, we do patron only Q&A. There's just a lot of stuff. And if you want to do it all and you didn't understand what I just said because I talk really fast, then just email me at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com and I'll tell you how to become a member of absolutely everything for close to what it costs to be a patron saint. And that's that. So now on to the deepest dive of the day. So Binkley, have you heard about the great resignation? Yes, I've heard about that quite a bit from the World Economic Forum and then various articles obviously published in coordination with it. Yes. So the World Economic Forum, it's funny because the article I read from there talked about how the highest quit rate is in the accommodation and food services. It's about 7% of people working in hotels, motels, restaurants, and bars gave notice in November. Um, It's the highest since 2000. Voluntary turnover in the sector usually is on the high side. Yes, you can always find a new job there. It's been over 5% many times in the past. Uh, And then they also say on that website, and so that's just quitting. That means then you go on to another job. But the other one, it said, was the second highest rate was 4.4% in the retail trade, which is stores and shops. These two relatively low-weight industries account for all people who quit in the month of November. So a couple of things about that. Those are the two industries that I always thought that the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, the COVID policies, all of that were targeting directly. Anything with human contact, anything that's kind of like, a, you know, not a blue-collar job, but just a maybe an entry-level job, just a low-skilled job, but a a job that employs a lot of people, employs young people, um, gives a gal purse money, as they say, like the kind of jobs where you can have kids, be married, take care of other stuff, have flexible hours or hours that are different from your husband's or your spouse, then it's all of that stuff. And I would think that that would be that all the stuff my conclusion is that all of the stuff that they're saying, they're, they're giving a million reasons. They're talking about people reprioritizing, getting better jobs, yada, yada, um, demanding more, holding out for more, wanting more money, wanting flexibility. I don't, I don't think it's that at all. I think it's, it, it was a real disruption 
in those industries. Then I think that there's other things that went with it, those stimmy checks, the eviction moratoria, unemployment extensions, paying people not to work in some of these industries for a while there. And then just as that stuff was rolling off, vaccine vaccine mandates were rolling on board. And at one point, some of the numbers I was crunching here, and I'm putting a bunch of my articles that I used in the show notes, it said that that the quit rate might have been over 4 million in, I think it was November. The workforce is 162 million people. So that isn't a huge number. That's like 3% if you look at it that way. About 800,000 of those people permanently left the workforce and about 1.7 million aren't really looking for jobs, apparently. But that number back in the day was probably mostly women who had to accommodate the Zoom their kids zoom schooling that was a big part of it and then in another article i found it said one percent of the workforce which is around this that same number if 162 million are in the workforce and 1.7 million are kind of at a, not looking for a job right now it said one percent of the workforce left because of vaccine mandates so it could be entirely that number so i feel like a lot of these temporary things that are contributing to this great quitting it isn't at all like today the reason it sparks my interest today was that there was an article on cnn said it's not what you think it is it's a great um not the great resignation the great upgrade so everybody's just getting better jobs. And I just don't think that. I think that what this is is a major systemic disruption because they chased people out of those jobs. They closed restaurants and retail for the most part. So they had some retail going, like the big mega stores and stuff. But a lot of the mom and pop shops closed down. Both of the places I used to go to exercise uh, went bankrupt. One of them just announced it recently. Both of the places that I started to exercise at out here went bankrupt. So they, so I, I see this as they took these industries, they wiped out the labor force there, and what's remaining, maybe bigger corporate players in those spaces, are using this time, just like I feel like the labor unions justified automation back in the day. They're using this time to accommodate. Uh, this this dearth of workers, people unwilling to work. They're going to automate, they're going to consolidate, they're encouraging people to Zoom, they're encouraging Am Amazon deliveries, they're encouraging all this stuff. And I think uh, over time, what we're going to see is a massive unemployment because to the extent that these disruptions go away, you're going to have a couple of residual effects. Those all those accommodations for shrinking what appears to be a shrinking labor force will stay in place. Once you make a massive capital investment, that makes your the the labor where where previously if you had a lot of workers, you would just have them work. If you're gonna take a ton of money and automate that, then the marginal cost of the capital of the automated stuff is very low. It's less than it would cost to actually hire someone for an hour. So you're not going to go back to labor once you've made that position. And then the other thing is when you have all these people, you're telling them, you're encouraging them, you're accommodating them to work from home. It's only a matter of time before those jobs, which now have also been accommodated in that way with technology, get outsourced overseas.
to cheaper places where people don't have to pay $4,000 a month in rent. They're paying $400 a month in rent and they can take rock bottom wages. It will absolutely, I fear, gut our labor force. And then you're going to have stagflation, which we haven't really seen in 40 years, stagflation, where you have high inflation, high inflation and high unemployment. People are really hurting when that happens. And if petrodollars come back home, if they stop using the dollar as the world reserve currency, you're going to have inflation like crazy. Now, that also makes it hard to import things, and that can generate some restoring of like manufacturing or whatever here at home, that doesn't necessarily mean the same proportion of jobs that you would have had in the previous scenario or the last time you had manufacturing jobs. The manufacturing may just be automated also, but that if it's made here, you can buy it here um, because you don't have the exchange rate problem that comes with inflation. So I feel like this is a setup. I'm worried about it. Um, and I think that what they're doing is setting up a narrative so that they don't have to take the blame for their policies having caused much, much more harm than good. Even if everything they said about the pandemic was true, the stats will ultimately show that with drug abuse, unemployment, inflation, um, suicide, all of these things, that mental health issues, all of these things are going to prove in my opinion, that the policies were not justified no matter how much you believe their numbers about the pandemics. And I think that they're just like they set up all this stuff to to mask the vaccine quitting. They are setting this up to mask what is going to be the real cause of the, I believe, stagflation to come. Yeah, definitely. It's a setup. It sounds like to me as well. It's setting up a lot of those people in the younger generations, too, who are forming these protest oh. chains with the labor unions saying, we deserve better pay, better wage, better jobs, make me CEO, make me manager, whatever. So that's going to demand more government funding of people to not work and people to ultimately just be completely reliant on the government. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you cultivate a subculture that resents working... They will not work and they will not be good workers. But a huge number of these people from the biggest quitting stat that they fed us, it was for like August or September, maybe last year, I think. And a huge percentage of that, like a massive percentage of that were teenagers going back to school who had had summer jobs. I mean, every August to September should have a huge quit rate. But then you could also say there was a bit there was a, I remember doing articles about this a year ago or more saying that when they shut the schools down, they were shutting colleges down or they were trying to get people to pay big money for colleges and study remotely. Kids were taking that year off and working. So to the extent the universities opened back up, you would have all that quitting and they wouldn't go back into the workforce. That's right. I forgot about the age issue it's mostly young people and mostly women very interesting yeah there has been a lot of stories pushing that theme absolutely lately, especially and today too yes and i think that they're doing it to set us up for a for a narrative yeah they're constructing a narrative in advance which they know they're gonna need yeah you got any shout outs i do have a quick shout out i don't know if you know we've actually had these guys on the dpp We've, they're great patron saints of ours. Absolutely great. Love them. They have an Instagram. I think it's called the Waski Family Farm. It's W-S-C-H-K-E. If you go to Instagram and type that in, you're not getting more than one hit. That's for sure. But uh, 
the husband's dad said, I just wanted to drop you a thank you for you two doing the higher side meetup shouts. Last Tuesday, you brought it to my attention that there was one happening in Bellingham, Washington, just 20 minutes from us. I met three other like-minded people and had a wonderful three-hour conversation. They all felt alone in this city, and I was able to point them to many mask-free stories, re- stores, restaurants, events that will help them find our whole network of um of lockdown resistant folk in the county, I would not have found them if not for your shout out. So a big thank you there. And I'm so happy to hear that. I mean, that is just so important. That is our number one hope. And you know what? I'm such an individualist. All I care about is reaching out. I actually met with some listeners over the weekend just at the last minute who I knew lived nearby. We went out for a beer. It was super fun. I'll do that again. Maybe I'll shout myself out next time in real time. And we've got some more shout outs tomorrow for those meetups. So tune in on Share the Show Tuesday where we share that so that you can tell friends you know who might be looking for some like-minded folks. Fantastic. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content Monica was telling you about, go to propreport.locals.com, patreon.com slash propaganda report, or rockfin.com slash propaganda report, and check out what we have to offer on those platforms. We will talk to you tomorrow or in the DNBXR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.